on today's podcast, we're going to talk some RPO. And joining us are two coaches from Alcorn State, the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, Elliot Ratton, and wide receivers coach, Jason Phillips. Guys, great to have you here on the podcast. Coach, thanks for having us. Thank you. So we'll dig right into it here. Uh, coach Ratton, you've been there five years. Coach Phillips, you're now in your third year. Uh, so you guys have put together a system here with RPO that uh, has your own twist on things, that you do things a little bit differently. Uh, just from an overview, you know, how do you see that your system is a little bit unique? Yeah, uh, I think we don't necessarily concentrate on, hey, let's come up with the newest route to beat this particular look. We, we found ourselves, I uh, think, you know, really at 18, we were throwing RPOs and we would get the pull read, the throw read, and our kid would turn and throw it and we're throwing slants or a glance and into the worst leverage and the worst look possible and kids are just getting eat up and, and, and things like that. And so we came back and um, we really said, instead of concentrating on let's have the best route, let's have the best route call at the right time. And, um, you know, we, we kind of had to rethink how we did some things and put some faith in our kids to, to make us right on some situations. Um, so we, we last spring, I guess spring of 19, um, we started with letting the receivers call the routes um, and, and package that in a way where it made it feasible for the quarterback and didn't put too much on him. And, you know, a lot of trial and error, and, and, and it, it worked out well for us. I, I love that idea of being able to put it out there on the kids. I think, you know, we do so many things now where you see teams looking up to the, to the press box, looking – or I'm sorry, looking to, uh, to the sideline and, you know, getting the call from the press box and the answer's there. Now, you've seen it, you know, at first when a lot of people started doing that, there wasn't a lot of uh, change on the defense, right? You dialed them in and you changed what you were doing based on it. But, you know, when you look to the sideline now, they're looking at the sideline and they're changing. So when you come back to it, you get their eyes back to it. When everything gets set again, it might be different than what you were doing. So I think this is just a great answer to – combat some of those things yeah I think um you know and I'll let you know coach Radden speak to you in terms of run game but we concentrate we do most of these in our RPO 11 personnel um with, with the tight end off in the in the sniff position and what we talk in terms of with the quarterback is we're going to handle those six guys you've got to identify and handle the seventh on both sides um, now that's his, that's his extent from, from, from what he's supposed to handle. Um, and we feel like if he can handle those sevens that coach Ratton's guys can handle the, the six and even, you know, I think it's set up to where he doesn't just have to kill six guys. We can technically let the defense play out and cancel gaps how they want. As long as we're controlling the seventh fitter, the ball spills there, um, we feel like we can get five, six yards of carry. Um, and that's actually our rule for when to pull and to throw it. You know, if that guy's not in a position to tackle the ball carrier um, for anything less than five, hand the ball off. You know, don't, don't make it gray. And he's got to make big, 
you know, big movement for us to, to pull and throw. Um, I know, I know from a philosophical standpoint, I've heard, heard a lot of different ways of people think about RPO. Um, you know, some guys got into it and you know, said, well, it's our passing game too, uh, where, you know, a lot of guys I talk to, and it's especially, uh, I think the ones where the offensive line coach is the, uh, is, is also the coordinator that, you know, you think of it as this is just going to help us run the football. We're really thinking as much as we can, we want to run the football and this is something just to protect our runs. Yeah. And, and you know, the one thing, and th that's a good, I mean, that is part of it because when I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think the RPOs allow us to be able to run into more of a true box when we can get our six man boxes and, and, and that part of it. But, you know, for us, it's, um, you know, week to week, it's just how can we get the best plays up? You know, I've, we've all been around guys. I want to hand that thing off as many times as I can. And, you know, the running back's job is to make the safety miss. Um, but I think this allows us to, to throw the ball when we really would need to throw the ball when the numbers say that and to hand it off when um, it allows us, you know, from a coordinator perspective, you know, we used to look at our call sheet and you'd have all these RPOs on here because they would change up that look outside. And last year was my first year calling it and you looked at it and, you know, we had four or five different, you know, routes that we'd want to throw and you're sitting there like, how do I get all these called? You look at your call sheet, it expands, and now we're able to, to limit that down to, okay, we have inside zone, and then we have the pass concept out there, and they're going to make it right. Not make it right, but we're going to have the best call available, you know? Um, and I thought that part was really – it was really helpful for me in not getting overwhelmed um, – and, you know, like you said, when they look over and check, it's I'm looking at the box. Coach Phillips is upstairs. We don't have to, for that part of our package, we don't, I don't have to say, what are you seeing out there? It's, it's built into what we're doing. Yeah, I, I love that, that part of it because as an offensive coordinator, you know, and I went through this exercise probably several times during my career as sometimes you – you look at the menu of things that start making it, you know, the way into your offense and, you know, it maybe ex expands beyond the point where your thought process can be clear. Because when you look at it, and let's go before the days of, of RPO, I um, mean, you were calling a run or a pass. It was, you know, here's a limited set of things. And now when you take, well, it could be this, and here's our variations of the run, and here's all our variations of the routes we could put into it. And, well, what if they do this? We'll put this in. That, that list becomes very big and, and not manageable from a reps in practice standpoint, but also from just being able to think as a coach on, on where do I go next? Because we're making our decisions, you know, not probably in about 10 seconds. We don't have the whole play cock. We have the, you know, uh, the, the whole mechanics of getting the play in and players getting set. So we've got to make a decision very quickly and, when there's just more things in our head, we get cluttered. It becomes more difficult for us. So I, I love uh, the way that you guys have approached this and set it up because ultimately, you know, you can start to, and we'll get into maybe practice later, but just an overview now, you can start to compartmentalize those things. So remove those receivers and you go work your run. They can do their things and understand just the different looks that they might see and what they have to do based on that. 
Yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, speaking to that end of it, like this is probably the, the very first thing we install. Because, uh, like, he's, we're going to run split zone, we're going to run zone insert, and, and we're going to throw RPOs. Now, we don't have to do any of that together. You know, oh, we're completely separated from that. And, and the biggest thing that we have to work on is making sure that, like, for my guys, making sure we're getting all the looks. And, and that's the biggest thing we do is instead of spending time on, 30 or 40 different routes or whatever we've got going on, we're going on the top three or four looks that we're gonna to see to this particular surface in a given week. And there's only maybe three things we're gonna call against it, but we're always gonna call it in the right circumstances, you know? Um, and part of, our, part of our deal was, and it, it kind of goes back to, you wanna call these to throw it, call it to run it. Um, you know, we have we have a lot of packages that we do with these and, and the mindset for the quarterback changes through each package. Okay, so when we call these where the receivers are calling the routes, they are I think they're we're telling them in that package, all right, now be a little bit more aggressive. If you see the throw, take the throw. Whereas if we have the you know, a package with our access package, you just got to totally have it. You know what I'm saying? It's a, almost a pre-snap gimme. This is not that. This kind of tells them, hey, you know, be, be aggressive right here. You know, take, 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 take your shots. And as part of that, um, you know, we want to hand the ball off and run it. And we said anything for five or less, throw it. If you can tack you for five or less, throw it. But at the same time, we want to make you – like, we want you to – if you're going to try to add that seventh guy or that extra hat to the fit, we want to take advantage of it in a big way. So when we throw it, our expectations are it's going to be a first down. So we're not throwing stop routes. We, we want to throw routes that are all on the move. We want to catch it and in, in, on the move. And the expectation is if you're going to try to take away our five, we want to get ten. You know, we're not calling them to replace a four-yard gain with a five-yard catch, tackle, hitch. Right. That doesn't really – the trade-off of that is not really worth it. Um, so that's kind of the move we made as long with it, as long, along with it as well was, you know, we want to catch the ball on the move and get explosives and, and move chains when we do throw. So I don't know if that kind of – Yep. So uh, I think – what we can do here is is talk a little bit first about the run game and, and the approach to, you know, thinking about it, training it, getting getting your reps in, in practice. We'll talk a little bit about what your guys are doing, the receivers are doing out on the edges and how they get to certain things, and then maybe put that all to, together here. So uh, flipping over to the run game here, Coach, you've mentioned it's, it's split zone, it's same side zone, it's insert zone. So um, for the guys up front, I imagine – uh, there's there's very few differences. So first and foremost, there's a there's an efficiency in the teaching that there's a lot of same as within those three variations. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know where we're going to start, and just looking back on it, is more zone insert, just because from what we saw, that guy, whoever he's spilling it to, it puts a little bit more stress on it than split zone. Um, 
But, you know, as far our guys have no idea when it's an RPL up front. They're just blocking it, um, whether it's split zone or zone insert. They, like I said, they have no – they're blocking the run, so there is no even thought in their mind that it's an RPO. Um, the center for what we do, he gets the majority of the responsibility. We're going to ID someone every time, and that ties in for the quarterback's teaching. You know, if we – whoever we ID – on the front side, he knows it should be first past the point. Back side, it should be two behind the point of who they're reading in the four down front. So um, it's very efficient for us. And like I said, with, with COVID and stuff going on, we've actually been installing this week, and we won't get together um, to install it like Coach Phillips was saying. They're, they're going to get up there, and we're going to go through our variations of it um, and go through that part of it. But, you know, we kind of tinker with it every week. You know, to me, when I start is if we're running split zone, how much are these guys falling back, you know, and lagging back in their fits? Because, um, you know, that can kind of jack up your combos sometimes as far as getting off and getting good angles. Um, the big part of it, too, is our tight ends now know, like, if we ever have a walked-up edge blitzer who's technically number seven, they don't have to worry about blocking that guy. Mm-hmm. And then the center knows, too, if something comes down where we're not, whether it's a safety or a corner, we don't have to be responsible for blocking that guy. Um, and that's just the way, like, they don't have to stress about that. They know that we can't block him. They know he's out there. But we don't have to be worrying about necessarily pushing it over to him or doing some different things like that. Um, you know, our kind of philosophy with it in the run game is we're going to be protected C-gap to C-gap when we're – we're doing those things. And like I said, everything we haven't, knock on wood, haven't had issues with too many guys downfield on the inside zone. Um, but for them, they don't know. They have no idea what's, like I said, going out on the perimeter, you know, which is good because I've been around some of that where guys, like, they use code words choke or whatever it was to tell the whole line. And I don't think you quite get the movement that you necessarily – because if they're worried about going – if I, if I'm worried about being five yards downfield – I can't necessarily be blocking that guy as hard as I want or no. climbing to that backer. Um, so that's part of our just my teaching with it. Um, and it's, it's been good for him. Like I said, inside zone is what we hang our hat on. It's when probably everyone in the league knows it, but that's, you know, you got to have something you can hang your hat on and believe in, and it's going to be inside zone in our variations with it. Yeah, I love that idea too. You know, just thinking back to, before we started running RPO of having to, you know, push something uh, to, to the front side of that all the way out, right? Um, somebody coming off the edge, whether it's a safety now that has walked down or um, is, is, uh, is, is a threat there. And I mean, your guys really have to be trained up to have eyes on it. And, you know, we made a living on it. So we, we would uh, train that up, but it's not the easiest thing to do, especially with, younger linemen and I think that takes a lot of the burden off of them that they don't have to worry about pushing uh you know to a full zone or everybody out out to you know one one gap further or anything like that yeah and we've tried to put some words in like where if we know like in a given week like if we know the safety is going to be a b gap fitter and we have to block him we'll we'll work that part of it um because the deal like like coach was saying earlier we only have Last year, we only worked it really out of our sniffer stuff. Well, the tight end or the, the O-line doesn't necessarily know if there's a sniffer back there all the time. And so it's hard to tell them all the time, like, hey, in trips, 
you're going to push it. But if we're in sniffer to the field, we're not going to push it. You know, some of that stuff, like, and it's, it's hard to teach it. So we get a lot of carryover with, with what we're doing and don't put ourselves in that predicament of making that kid make you right so much of the time. Yeah. And I think with something you mentioned there, maybe with people who aren't used to doing RPO and thinking about getting into it, what you said about your lineman's approach to it is, is critical. They can't take on a, a, a non-aggressive uh, demeanor and how they're going to block this because they're worried about the ball going down the field. They really have to get off the ball and block their assignments like it's run. Now, you know, how that's done, you know, with this, you know, some teams approach their zone even differently where, you know, it's not necessarily about the combos, but having the combos really starts to time up um, and take care of level one first before you get to two. And if you're doing that, you should be fine. If that ball is not out, that's really on the, the quarterback. Something happened, maybe with the ball handling or he hesitated back there. You shouldn't run into those situations very much. Yeah, and the, and like I said, I don't think we had – I don't think on an RPO last year, I'd have to go back and look, but there's not one time that I remember that we got called for too many guys downfield. You know, because like I said, we got we to move those folks. And um, it's been good, and I think the biggest thing is those guys, when we hand that ball off, good things are happening. When we throw it, good things are happening out there, so we get a level of confidence about us. You know, it's kind of like – Old school, you know, if it's one high, you want to throw the ball. If it's two high, let's keep handing it off. And, and that really allows us to, like I said, just a confidence level. And, and Coach Phillips may disagree, but I don't think I said much to a quarterback last year about a hand or a throw because I try not to be – if they see something out there and we throw that ball, our idea is that it should be explosive. So when that happens, like I've just made a conscious effort not to be, um, man, we should have handed that one off because it's – However we get that ball moving down the field, that is – I really don't care as long as that ball's moving down the field and it's effective. And I think that's one thing with the quarterback is we don't have as many downfield or, or, or decisions like that because we place the burden of he's got to make a big, you know, effort, a big uh, movement to tackle the, the ball carrier before we're going to pull it and throw it. You know, like I said, he, he knows, the kid knows going into it that he's never going to get fussed after handing off. Um, one thing that we did, you know, start working towards is instead of, ah, oh, you should have handed it, you should have thrown it, is making sure he can describe what he did. What did number seven do to make you do what you did? And when we get to that, we actually are using that in terms of, Coach number seven just a flat foot and the apex didn't move. I hand the ball off. He's falling in, making a tackle for three, four yards, or he's a hell of a player, whatever we've got going on right there. Leads us to the next part of our decision-making of, all right, so now we're getting a free run at the safety. Let's move on to maybe some deep choice stuff or things like that. Um, so using his information, what he's actually seeing, to get to the next thing as well. Yeah. So thinking about the quarterback, because, you know, he's, he's the link between what's happening up front and what's happening out on the, the edges right there and in the ultimate decision maker. Um, from that standpoint, you know, where you said you, you're not really going to get on him about, uh, you know, handing it off, 
you know, I've seen situations and, you know, work with a, a quarterback here, you know, last year, especially I think this year he's he found a lot more comfort. But early on, uh, he didn't he didn't want to throw the ball as much and was probably missing a lot of opportunities. So from that standpoint, um, what helps, I guess, with the way you guys do it to give that comfort level of being able to make those decisions to pull and throw? I think it's, you have to show him the actual action that you're expecting to see that be the ball be thrown, whether it be through camp, through spring, whatever. And it could be me standing out there being the read guy, um, me flat footing or taking read steps doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to, I need to throw it. Um, I need to know my pre if the ball's on the hash and, and my number seven is standing on the opposite hash, shit, hand the ball off. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, so we, we've taken a lot of time in showing him the looks and the movement, okay? So and it may be showing the demeanor of whoever we're playing that that guy, when he's lined up here as he's number seven, his demeanor can show you and give you an idea pre-snap. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about them as opposed to – you know, hand pull, when he takes this action, when he does um, this alignment, having a level of expectation coming into it. So taking a look at what you're doing with your receivers, you're going to have uh, sometimes a single guy who's going to have to run the route. Sometimes you'll have two. They're going to have to communicate what they're doing and be on the same page. And I know we'll get to this one later, but, you know, thinking about future of it, looking at pistol and, and how you may incorporate you know, the quarterback's ability to decide which side and which defender he'd like to, to read based on uh, something right. in the front. Um, but looking at the single and in, in the, the two receiver uh, sides, in general, what are the things that you're working with these guys to understand and, and how do you start training that? Right, okay, so it's uh, talking to the single receiver side first. Um, we call that talk. So you're going to talk to the quarterback. Um, we talk a lot about triangles and we use these triangles um, in the defense to determine who's fitting, who's going to be the read guy. Um, we talk about high, one high point triangle, two high point triangle, let you know soft corners and hard corners. Um, you know, if it's, if it's, if the safety is over top of me on the logo of the field, why is he there? You know, he's there. So if I run Scott free down the sideline to get over top of me, well, if that's the case, you know, call my route accordingly. Um, we, we start with an expectation of we want to run a five-step glance and every time. All right. So we start with the expectation with him of you're running this route. Okay. Until someone, takes you off of it, all right? And which kind of leads us to the first one where we threw a lot of glance and we would just call it. We would call run play glance. And people, <clears throat> people knew we were gonna do it over and over, all right? So they weren't gonna take that safety out of the fit, but they were gonna move that corner inside leverage by, you know, two, three yards and we're calling glance. And now we're, we're getting pull reads and throwing glance into terrible leverage, okay? So we started with it there and saying that you're going to run the glance. Is it hard corner or soft corner? All right. If you have access 
um, but you have bad leverage on the glance, we're going to run a six step speed cut out, okay? And if you don't have access and you don't have good leverage to run the glance, we're gonna eat him up and take the top off and, and be ready for throwing it um, however we're winning on top or back shoulder. Um, the, the tricky thing, and that's, that's probably the easier one because a lot of times that corner's gonna tell you. Um, for us, we define that triangle between the corner, the safety, and the defensive end. Is saying if that safety, if you ever find that safety uh, higher than 10 to 12 and outside that defensive end, you're gonna get a hard corner. All right, if you find him at 10 to 12 or less, what we would call a, a safety that we would crack, you know, in a push crack situation, a safety we would crack, if he's inside or in or around that defensive end, more likely gonna be the fitter. And now I can call, you know, directly off that corner. Um, and, and just going by defining that access, we talk a lot in terms of the tilt and the depth and the leverage of the corner, um, knowing where his help is, his awareness and who he's communicating with. We're taking all these factors in. And, you know, and again, it's, part of it is in our league too. It's we're not going to see eight different looks over there to a single receiver side right. in 11 personnel. We're going to see three, maybe four. And we're going to practice off those looks. Um, and get all three called in the game, most likely. Um, which we still throw a lot of glance. We do. We throw a lot of it. But for the time where that corner jumps inside leverage and it's third and six, and we've called this RPO, we're not just screwed. You know, what I mean, we've got some, we've got some leverage and we've got some flexibility to to get out of it. Um, and then on the, and if for say we get that cover two look right there where that, that safety's out of, out of the fit, we have a stock backside where we're just going to run stop routes, you know. Uh, and if the quarterback determines that that guy, you know, that seven defender on that side is not a threat, we're going to flip it. He can read on that side, mm -hmm. all right. Or maybe he's got the access throw to the field and he can still take that as well. Um, but that's really how we work the single. And you're talking three throws. Well, technically four with the back shoulder, you know, part of that in there as well. So you're talking four throws in one call. So we're, we're talking about the call sheet earlier and getting overwhelmed. You're just getting to one route. Yeah. All right. So, or one call, I should say. Um, and you're kind of working through that. Yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense. But that gives us, you know, it gives us some flexibility for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, taking that to the two receiver side, um, you know, a little bit more to read now. You got two guys involved, probably more defenders over there. So, right. how do you boil that down for them? We still, we still work in the same principles of we're talking about our triangle. All right, and and a good deal of that is kind of ties in with what Coach Radden said. We're working off that point, and whether it be front side or back side, we all have an idea of who number seven would be, all right? And again, we, we the majority of the time, it's gonna be uh, that, that nickel Sam outside linebacker. Um, we will talk if they start exchanging roles as far as the nickel 
playing wider to two and the safety getting in the fit. Uh, one thing we do to help them to really make sure the picture gets clear is we want to get wide. We want to widen our split. And so we will put the number two receiver, if, if the ball's on the, on the left hash, he's going to be on the right logo. Like he's going to get outside the hash and stretch that. Um, so we can make that number seven defender, the guy who's going to fit the run to the field to be extra hat, make it where he's got to identify himself. All right. So if, if I'm outside the hash and the nickel, the safety and the corner are all outside the hash with me, they've made that job for the quarterback pretty easy. It's, you know, hand the ball off and, and let them try to, to, to rally to tackle it. Um, so it identifies number seven for us and it gives us a, as receivers, it gives us a pretty definitive look of who's who, you know, who, who, who's going to be the read. And I just call my route off the other guy. Um, so once we determine who that read is, like I said, let's say for, for purposes, it's the nickel Sam and he's playing apex. All right. At that point, when we determine who the read is that guy doesn't exist to us anymore. All right. We're saying the only reason, the only reason we're getting the ball thrown to us is this guy's triggered the run and it's two on two out here. Mm -hmm. All right. So past that, now we're working back off of our safety. All right. And again, if I'm number two to the field and I'm outside the hash, if that field safety, most of the time is going to try to stay, stay inside of me. He's not going to widen outside that hash. We've got him out leveraged. All right. Um, so we go, same deal, we go with the expectation that we want to throw a bubble. Now we don't necessarily run the bubble and stretch the field because we're already so wide. Um, so we kind of combine that bubble with, a, with an out where we're reading that corner. So his first two-step release, he's going to eye the corner. And if he's getting soft, we'll bail out of there. We're, we're showing our numbers to the quarterback. Um, and, and if he's triggering hard, he's too read, and he sees me as a flat threat right now, we're just going to stop and show numbers, knowing that we're calling the route off the safety because we've already got him out leveraged. Right. Um, so that's kind of the process we would go through with it. Now he's, you know, we got to work the communication of it where he's going to make the determination on what route based off that safety. He's going to communicate it both into the quarterback and to the receiver outside of him. All right. So we will call as long as that safety is inside of us. If we have the read and the safety are both inside of us, we want the ball to go outside. All right. That's pretty, we're two on one outside of that guy. We've got leverage. All right. When the safety or the read, when one of those guys works higher or outside of us to a point where they're trying to either be the force player or be the guy that's got to get over top of number one and say a cloud look, all right. Once we make that determination that that safety or the nickel is going to work over top of one, we want to cross his face. All right. He's given us the leverage or the ability to get in the middle of the field. We want to take it. All right. So that's really how he's going to call. Those are the two main ones that we get in a, in a too high look to that side of the field. Is, is the safety inside? Is the safety outside? Call my route accordingly. Go in go out based on him. Um, the other looks that we would get, you know, 
We talk about a lot of times now that nickel is getting out wide to number two and the safety's becoming the, the number seven. He's becoming the fitter and they're exchanging those roles. To us, that's no different. As long as that guy's walking out, we need to go in. He's telling us to go inside. Um, we will give him a little bit different call just to change the depth because number seven is now coming from higher, right? So, so we won't necessarily try to have that wrap-in slant. We're going to push it vertical a little bit more, knowing that we're going to probably have to take it deeper, and that guy's going to trigger a little bit later. So is that more like um, a glance for you? That we would push that to seven steps. Seven steps, okay. Yeah, and again, since he's so wide, it's seven steps, and you never you never have the expectation of crossing the hash. So it's kind of like that the old uh, bang egg post yeah. and keep it keep it real thin. Um, just so you don't let that guy fall back into it. Right. Whereas if it was a cloud corner and that safety's getting over top of one, we're going to wrap the read and we're really going to kind of come off at a tempoed pace. And as soon as he triggers, we're wrapping in the sweet spot between the mic and the safety. So that could be one step. That could be five yards. There's no real depth to it. When he triggers, I trigger to wrap. Um, to help us get in the middle a little bit quicker. So as soon as that kid sees it, the ball can come out. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it. Um, I guess the only other things that we have out there, um, we have the, the two in breakers that it's determined on who the number seven is, if he's a high guy or a low guy. Um, we have that read bubble, if it's a quarters or two read look. All right, and then if we get rotation to our side, um, if we get two together, is what we call it. So if that safety and the nickel, we talk about that five-yard strike. If they're in the same five-yard strike and your body demeanor is matching, all right, we're going to treat that as rotation. We don't care if he's rotating to play me a man or rotating to play in zone. For us, it's just rotation. All right, that's where the outside guy is going to kind of get involved now, um, and we'll get kind of a glance and a will to that. Just you know, old slant bubble type type deal, but we're going to throw it only against that rotation look. Um, so we're, we're getting two together, and as part of that process, it's going to let the quarterback know, too, we're calling that route, but we're also going to point that guy saying, hey, we're calling this because we think he's coming. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that the quarterback has no – that's your number seven, even if he blitzes, like Coach Rapp was talking about, that tight end's not going to work out to the edge and pick him up. He's keeping this spot in the count. Um, so if the quarterback's number seven uh, becomes a line of scrimmage or a blitz threat, he can send the, send the running back over there to abort and take the run part of it out. Um, so we – and that's built into the communication to it. So um, – and I, we didn't talk about it to the single, but the same thing, corner crash, is if this safety's – eight to 10, he's, he's cracked depth, but he's out there in a logo. He's telling us, hey, this guy's coming. Right. Call him out. Call him out. And so we've got that kind of built into it as well. Um, and then the, the, the next one is if we get straight man, yeah, and really what we tell him is, yeah, if we get straight man, we don't really – we would say if the guy I'm trying to call the route off of, the, the field safety, the safety on my side, um, if he lines up 
pre-snap as a post-safety, right? We're going to call slot fade, all right? But we're still gonna kind of read it off of this cat that's in front of us. So if the guy's playing me man overhang there, I'm gonna try to you know, stay outside release to protect the, 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 the hitch throw as well. And I'm gonna feel that. So if I feel him running with me, I'm gonna continue slot fade and, and try to work to the top of the numbers. If I feel him disappear, that contact leaves me in, in a way where he's not trailing me, but he's buzzing flats. I'm gonna to start to throttle and kind of sit down right there. So we're trying to keep it where it's slot fade, slot fade, smash read, but also if we're getting fooled where it can still be kind of hitch seam as well, you know, and, and, and make us right. Um, but that's our go-to. For us, if the, field, if the field safety lines up in the post, not related to number two, it's gonna be man 85% of the time. Right. So, so we work on that assumption of if it's the guy you're calling your route off of is standing in the post, treat it as man, you know. And that's why, the, that's why we don't really make a distinction between blitz man and rotation. For us, it's just rotation, you know, or it's rotation away. That We would treat rotation away from us the same as we would man. Got it. Um, and that's kind of how, and again, it's, it seems like a lot. You're talking, there's a lot of thinking. It's really the two basic scenarios of is the safety inside of me or outside of me, if he's relating to me and, and making it a too high look, or is he rotating to me or away from me? You know, and that's, that's really the four things that we talk about to, to get the corresponding route. Coach, talk a little bit about practicing this, right? Because right now you guys are in a situation where you are not with the offensive line you're in your own little your group there keeping guys separate um but i imagine in 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 a normal year uh, this can work as well so uh what kind of efficiency do you create in in practice that you're just working these same things over and over and really getting that cumulative effect of the reps over the course of camp the year all of it yeah, I'd say the biggest thing to this whole deal is you have answers to the to the looks you're most likely to see, right? Now, you may get the crazy one-off, haven't prepared for it look like we all get, all right? But for the most part, you're going to get a cover two team, you're going to get a cover four team, a team that plays one high, a team that plays man, you know, you're going to get those looks throughout the week. So we feel that if we start with these looks uh, and dealing with these triangles throughout the first day on, we don't add any new routes. So like we don't come up this week and say, all right, we got to run these routes for these looks. And now whatever we have for quarters day one, we have, you know, we're playing the bowl game in December. Um, it's going to be the same. So the same look, produces the same results. Um, so I would say, I mean, we, it's not a, a magical, we don't have a, a, a big time cure, cure all, is we're gonna put a triangle out there, we're gonna go to a two receiver side, and we're gonna move around, we're gonna walk it and talk it, and we'll get in the meeting room and we'll chalk it and film talk it, and, and say, what would you call here, what would you call there, and you know, why? 
you know, why is that safety lined up where he's at? What is his purpose? I think that's a big thing is once they understand, like, okay, that safety's at 14 now instead of 10, why is he doing that, man? And that's we'll ask that question every day is why is the safety deep? And I to the point now right here in unison to get over top of one. So, I mean, as long as they know that why, now we're just executing. We're throwing routes that anybody can throw. We're throwing slants and bubbles and hitches and, and things like that. So, um, there's a read on everything is a big thing we've got is we want to show the read, even if it's me and, and my fat self triggering on the run, uh, we want to have a look where they're calling the routes and a read where the quarterback is seeing what a throw read should be. All right. And we spend more time on those looks as opposed to having crazy routes and we got to add this and that and the other. So we feel like we're getting good at easy routes, you know, where we should increase our efficiency at throwing this bubble or throwing this slant and getting reproducible results as opposed to, you know, coming out with something new that may be great against this one look. And then every time we call it, we don't get the right look. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been our big thing is we bank reps. Yep. Whatever, whatever we're getting done now, even, even in split and up here in shorts, just starting um, whatever we're getting done now, you know, hopefully knock on wood, we're playing in February, March, and April that we're doing the same thing. We're getting the same throws, the same catches. Um, you know, the same kid that's a freshman that just got here is going to be doing those reps again and, and over and over. So we, we hit everybody, you know what I mean? So. Yep. Coach Ratton, I know uh, a component you've added to this is the pistol, and it doesn't necessarily change things other than – uh, adds a little bit more flexibility to the offense. But uh, an overview of how you envision, um, you know, being able to implement this into the office offense and, you know, moving forward that you could put a guy in the pistol now and based on some of the things the quarterback sees, he can activate him one way or the other. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing uh, is, you know, to call it and talk that up. That allowed us to not be one play behind with the RPO in terms of, hey, we should have called bubble slant here, but we had bubble on. Now I think putting them in the pistol allows us to see which side that the seventh defender is fitting and not say, hey, we should have went to the single receiver side here, but we had the RPO called to the two-man side. So I think that gives us, again, the ability to make sure that seventh defender is not we're still staying one step ahead instead of saying, man, we should have been over to the single receiver side. I should have called a better play there. Now it's, okay, that guy's in the fit. We need to take advantage of it. We need to take it right now because, you know, with the philosophy that these throws are going to be explosives, you don't want to miss – I mean, we all know we don't want to miss those explosive opportunities. So if we get that, you know, that gives us a great opportunity to hit that on time. Um, and I, just looking back on it, too, one thing we talked about was some of the other things we're going to do in the offense, the pistol. The backs like being in pistol more. They felt like, you know, the same reasons everyone likes being in pistol. They got to give them a chance to be a little bit more patient. Um, they can feel it, stay in there, let us hang a little bit longer. Um, so those things 
you know, really help. But I think, again, just as a play caller, it allows you to, you know, not have to check with me. You know, I think when we looked at last year, we didn't check with me as much as in those situations. Now, we st- you know, we'd still look over sometimes. But it took that out of there of, hey, we need to look over. And then they change. And, you know, it, it takes a little bit of the cat and mouse game out of it where we can be. We look like a lot better play callers when those kids are running the right route against the right look. Right. Right. Well, we talked about the advantages, obviously, in game planning and practice planning. As you get into the game, uh, you know, is, is there much you do in terms of adjustment, whether that's at halftime or between series, as it relates to your RPO game? Uh, you know, there's not a ton. I would say the biggest thing that happens from the RPO is that it sets up a lot of the drop-back passing game in terms of where these guys are. Like Coach Phillips talked about earlier, whether it's the deep choice package or whatever we want to go to. Because most of what we have, you know, we have some answers for it as far as what they're doing out there coverage-wise. Now, if we totally, you know, we call the wrong thing, obviously that's something that needs to get tweaked between it, um, you know, between series or at halftime or whatever. But as far as, you know, hey, we – you know, let's put this route in or whatever. That won't be, you know, the biggest thing too, and we've talked about it, is as we go, as we start a game, we got to give those kids a chance to see how they're fitting the run. You know, so we want to, we got to do a good job of coming out early and letting those kids, maybe the, maybe the first drive of the game isn't just the call of their talk. Maybe we just go with our base run rules so they can go out there and see how, you know, they they can get confirmation on what they've seen on tape right. and scouting. Yeah, I like that. So to wrap things up uh, for coaches out there who might be interested in this and in installing this and maybe going to this uh, variation of doing it in their offense, what recommendations do you have uh, in just getting that started and making sure that they're doing it the right way? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be a, it's a trial and error thing. Um, The big thing is don't, overload the routes. I mean, if, if you play in a league where you're going to see, you know, one or two specific deals, it's like maybe you don't need four or five, six route combinations out there. Maybe you just need two. Maybe it's bubble and slant. Like, don't worry so much. You, you build up to the looks you're going to see as opposed to saying, I've got all these great routes. Um, and just think of it as if it was my two versus your two or one-on-one and I could go – either way, what would I call? And stop there. Like, you don't need a 1,000. You, you need to handle specific situations. Um, you know, when we started, um, we had our quarterback would call their routes. You know, thinking quarterback sees all and do that. And, but like you, like you talked about, the, the, the mechanics of getting everything lined up, he's got a lot on him, you know, of identifying who the read is and things like that. So we found that he would come out there and just call whatever just to get the right call out and get the play started and get going. So don't overload your quarterback. Um, you know, one thing is you're going to come out and the first time you're going to do it, it's going to look great. And you're going to get some completions and you're going to have the right routes call. You're like, hey, let's just do it on both sides. And you get kind of overloaded of now I'm changing my mesh and I'm doing this and where do I look at? And now you get guys that's maybe spinning a little bit or you know, messing with you some, you overload, all right? The big thing is 
you're going to like it up first, and then the defense is going to get to their second day install, and you're going to say, oh, gosh, I did too much. Mm-hmm. You know, take your time. Um, let your kids make mistakes with it. Just make sure that they can communicate why they did what. And that's kind of been the thing that's helped us the most is just having a clear path of, you know, our own language of this guy's number seven. He did this. Now I know what he's talking about. Coach Rad knows what he's talking about. Our running backs. Everybody on staff knows, all right, he said this guy's doing this. This needs to be our next response. Play calling. Um, and, again, don't fuss too much about the handoff when you should have been thrown. Right, right. <laughs> Coach Ratton, what's your key uh, piece of advice for coaches out there from your perspective as the offensive line coach and as the offensive coordinator? Uh, the first thing is the offensive line coach is I think you got to have something where your ID and whether you're a point team or the quarterback's just aware of who you're working for. Uh, we hadn't necessarily been a point team before I was coaching O-line when I was tight ends, and that, you know, that really helped us in terms of, of now the quarterback goes, you know, he doesn't have to ID anything for us, but he knows, hey, they're working to that guy, so these are the guys that aren't blocked without making that quarterback an overload in his play and understanding who, who's blocking who on every single play. Um, and I, like we talked about earlier, I went – I wouldn't let the whole line know that it's uh, that's necessarily an RPO. You know, I right. let them block and let them let them run block. That's what they do. Um, and then from the play calling standpoint, you know, we don't try and do it out of every formation. We have a couple that we do it out of and and let us be good because um, there's some times where we found in the past where whether we're, when we're locking the back side. It could really mucky up the read if you got that tight end maybe attached to the front side, um, and it can cause some confusion. So you got to find what works for you in determining that number seven. And I know everyone out there wants to say, "Hey, we we can do we can do it out of every formation." Well, you you probably can, but there's some things that can make it a little bit challenging and mucky up reads. And now you're reading the wrong guy. And so I think that was something that helped us too. Uh, you know, we have our situations that we do it, and we found some variations to it. But, you know, just find the way that makes sense for you and keeps those rules the same. And if you can't do it out of trips or something, you can't do it, and find a way to package it. Because that's, that's essentially what we did is we found a way to package these RPOs and make it work for both of us. Like I said, Coach Phillips can go do it in an RPO period, and I can get my stuff in a run concept period, and we're not wasting time on Hey, I need to see that TN slant again. Well, those guys just ran a bunch of yards. They don't need to. So we can kind of work independently. And when it all comes together, it looks pretty good for us. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I kind of go back is simplicity. You're doing it to be right. You know what I mean? So you're calling slant bubble to be right um, and, and be simplistic. So you, you don't have to really overdo it. If you get to the point where you're overdoing it, you're overthinking, or you're reaching for the next one, you're probably screwing something up. Well, guys, I appreciate that advice and really all the information you gave here. I thought a, a great overview of what you guys do and how you do it, and uh, definitely a, a lot of thought, I think, for our coaches out there and how they might be able to advance their RPOs here in uh, the upcoming year, whether that uh, is kicking off here in February or 
uh, in the next fall. But uh, again, you know, thanks for your time. Before we go, just want to make sure our coaches could connect with you. Uh, what what would be the best way to do that? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good on Twitter. So if you if you hit me on Twitter, it's uh, I gotta look at it. it's at um, it's at Allcorn underscore Coach JP all capital letters. Um, or, you know, email, we'll respond to that as well. Same, same for me on Twitter or email. My Twitter is at Coach Ratton. There's not too many Rattons in the world, so um, Twitter is probably my best way. Coaches, uh, if you would, please, uh, for our guys out there who maybe have players, what are your recruiting areas? Yeah, I, I, uh, I do a lot of Mississippi here in state, um, in the junior colleges, but I am actually going to start branching out a little bit into some North Georgia um, areas over there. So as soon as they let us back out, I'm looking forward to getting over towards Georgia. Coach Bratton? And I recruit Houston, Dallas, and East Texas. Great. Well, guys, I, I appreciate it. Best of luck to here. I know you guys are getting going now, so best of luck. Uh, towards the season, stay healthy and uh, go out and win some games. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.